Alrighty, welcome to Outrageously Unnecessary, a podcast all about uh, rich people spending their money on ridiculous things, because as long as there's been rich people, they've been spending it on stupid crap. Um, I'm your host, Haley, and over there is my co-host, Steven. How's it going, Gilda Gang? So, Steven and I just finished the world's heaviest conversation, so we're mostly in the mood to just kind of get things rolling into... Yeah. <laughs> into something fun and entertaining because yes. god the world is just the heavy worst. right now my <laughs> state is on fire the air quality is garbage oh absolutely yeah <laughs> I, I know i was being at a text about that about that earlier today if, or not yesterday about like the wildfires again and like wait i saw like this uh, you know the uh, uh i see it on facebook often but it's like uh babylon b or like the like 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 uh, it's not fake news but um uh like sat like satirical news and oh like the onion <laughs> yeah the onion absolutely yeah i i saw one uh one that came out and said uh it had a picture of the wildfires and then it had a, a picture of your governor and it said we're doing okay here it had like an umbrella or it had like a, like like a sun like a sun like one of those big sun umbrellas and like him sitting down like we're doing okay here or something like that I was that, like, oh, that's, that's not true. That about right. <laughs> I'm currently not in any imminent danger of being on fire. Oh, that's but at, like, the winds have blown in such a way that this whole week it's like, wow, I'm super glad that we changed our air filter because we're not allowed to go outside for the next few days. <laughs> and it's just, ugh, it is, there's going to be a lot of places that are no longer on the map. Just saying. Well, speaking of... Speaking of places not on the map, how about Hurricane Laura? Oh, God. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I believe I've never heard the Weather Channel call something unsurvivable before. Right? I saw that on, like, a lot of major media headlines. Like, this unsurvivable hurricane. I was like, oh, my God. Because it was, like, I think, I don't think it ever reached Category 5. I think it was only a Category 4 by the time it hit landfall early this morning. But I may be wrong. They may have updated that. But that's what I heard. But still, I'm not sure. But again, unsurvivable is really just a word it's a that word. I never expect to come out of the Weather Channel's mouth. Uh, oh, the world! The world is on goodness. fire. The world is flooding. The world's getting blown over. Things are bad. So you know what? We're gonna fix the bad for about Absolutely. an hour. And we're just going to yeah. distract you from all the woes. How's that sound? <laughs> that sounds amazing. And I'm sure all the listeners are like, please, God, give me some funny. Literally anything to just <laughs> distract from the pain. Yes. I got you. Yes. Okay. Do you go first? I do. I go first today. <gasps> tell me a story. I'd love to tell you a story. All right. So Gilded Gang and Haley. Uh, I, so in searching for someone, I was like, oh, okay. Because I, I, I found a gym last time in the gilded area i was like there's got to be another hidden gym uh i found a couple just nothing really like i found more so like some people who would be good for like a jump change but nothing mm-hmm. like to do a full segment on so i was like okay well it looks like i'm googling um episodes or um instances of ridiculous purchases or crazy things people spend their money on of course the normal google searches for a lot of mm-hmm. both Haley and i's uh, ep- uh podcast but you end up getting like a lot of the same like listicles over and over and you're just like oh i've seen it but i found i I found a guy i (gasps) found a guy tell me about the guy so excited so Haley, when you think of the word excess what does that word 
give me some imagery that conjures excess to you. It's definitely Scrooge McDuck. Like that is my first thought. <laughs> Scrooge McDuck, like just swimming in that gold. A... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> also, how does a person spit gold? That feels painful. Oh yes, uh, Scrooge McDuck. That's a gosh. That's a wonderful analogy. Uh, speaking of which, I fucking love Ducktales. Um, FYI. It's so good. Any of our listeners, if you have not watched DuckTales, after you finish this podcast, drop what you're doing and go watch DuckTales. But finish the podcast first. I completely first. agree. Like, the the new DuckTales, I mean, even watch old DuckTales, but the new DuckTales, especially with David Tennant as Scrooge McDuck, fucking great. Yeah, so, on Excess, I found this individual, who was my topic for tonight, and his, not his life necessary, but this one purchase only one, this one, I'm going to even say this one endeavor or undertaking, as it will, as, as it were, is one of the most expensive undertakings that I've read about. And it is lavish. It is extra to the utmost. And it is Scrooge McDuck worthy by far. Thank God. <laughs> but let's jump into Mr. Murkesh Ambani. Mr. Murkesh Ambani is a Indian business tycoon, and he is the chairman of Reliance Industries Limited. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Reliance, like I was about 30 minutes ago, uh, I had because I had to look up Reliance for this podcast. It is okay. a petroleum company that um, bioengineer. That's automatically big money. <laughs> bio, bio, they bioengineer like new, like, hori- like horizon expansive, like new petroleum type products. Like they're like how Apple and Google is like on the cutting edge of technology. Reliance is one of the companies that's on the cutting edge of petroleum like based products. Um, so like renewable energy, petroleum, um, all that stuff like that. That's what they do. So he's the chairman, but he had a pretty humble life uh, growing up. He, uh, he came from Yemen. Actually, uh, he was born there uh, in April of 1957 and, uh, that's the same year my mama was born. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, I got most of my information from Wikipedia and, and some other, you know, just comparative sources to just to compare and contrast. But most of my information is from Wikipedia. Um, he moved. Uh, sorry. Sorry. He was born and raised in Yemen. And his father um, worked in the textile and spice industry in Mumbai. Uh, okay. Where they, they moved to Mumbai about a year later um, in 1958. Dad started up his business. Um, and it was very, very profitable. Like they came from nothing, very little money, but his dad, um, took this business and is actually, um, uh, his dad is actually one of India's most celebrated past business magnates, uh, of their history because All right. it, yeah, because of his works, of his works, his, uh, his work ethic, um, his, in- the industries that he started up, um, very popular, very well celebrated individual. Um, Mukesh. Uh, ended up uh, graduating from a high school there in Mumbai, which uh, he then later enrolled at the Institute of Chemical Technology in Matunga, where he obtained his Bachelor's of Engineering degree in Chemical Engineering. So smart dude. Uh, engineers, I'm telling you, I went to school with a lot of engineers. Those dudes were so smart. It's just ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, then uh, he attended Stanford in USA. It was actually one of his childhood dreams. He wanted to attend a university in America. And he got to attend the Stanford University, which he earned his MBA at Stanford. Um, But he actually did not finish at Stanford because 
his father was wanting to um, uh, start a new a new charter a new a new business, and he ended up helping his father to help establish the company that I just aforementioned, Reliance Industries. So okay, so at least he had like something lined up afterwards, and it wasn't some tragic tale of him like I'm going to my dream school, and then <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's uh, for him. He felt like he made the best decision. Um, obviously, so um, he became extremely wealthy. But we'll get to that. Um, so uh, as he returned to Mumbai, he helped his father in setting up a polyester filament yarn manufacturing plant, which is what Reliance was initially. Uh, but in 1981. Um, they uh, became to uh, develop and originate a new integration, kind of a backward integration from textiles into polyester fibers, and then they reduced that backwards far further into petrochemicals. Because I found out that polyester fibers and some of the, the chemical makeup in polyester is actually what is used to make a lot of our petrol and petrochemicals, which is kind of a fun fact, kind of cool. Uh, I didn't actually know that, but I guess it kind of makes sense. Yeah, yeah, super cool. Um, I actually, I kind of read up a little bit on the whole process. It's super, super wordy and jargony, and I'm not going to bore you all to tears with that because we're going to get to the good stuff. Um, I appreciate you. But during that whole process, he led the creation of 51 new world-class manufacturing facilities involving diverse technologies that raised Reliance's manufacturing capacities manifold and became Reliance one of the top petro, uh, petro, petrochemical technology type industries in the world. So That's a phrase. Yeah, I know. So because of his massive success, um, he vaulted to fame uh, in India and in the textile and petrochemical world, but he also vaulted to extreme wealth. Um, Mukesh's t- wealth uh, today, his net worth, is $79 billion. That's, That's a gross m- amount of money. Billion okay. with a B. What? Yes. Um, and some fun facts about Mr. Mukesh, before we get to the really juicy stuff, is in 2008, uh, his company Reliance bought a cricket team, the Mumbai Indians. What? That yeah. Be- <laughs> Did they just... That's like... <laughs> That's like calling an American sport team the Americans. I know. <laughs> so he bought the cricket team, the Mumbai Indians, in the Indian Premier League. Uh, the team was worth $111.9 million. So that's, he, that's, that's a good chunk of change. So he dropped some cash. Yeah. Um, so, uh, his, uh, so his company, they operate in five major segments. Exploration, production, I'm sorry, exploration and production, refining and marketing, petrochemicals, obviously, retail, and recently, telecommunications. Okay, he's got his fingers in a lot of pies. And those pies are giving him a lot of fruit. That doesn't make sense, but you understand my meaning. That's not a phrase. Moving on. Anyways, uh, it is ranked among the Fortune Global 500 companies, and it's India's second most valuable company by market value. Do I know the first? No, I do not, but I will find out. Um, That's all right. So he served on the board of directors of Bank of America Corporation. I'm sure whatever, if you guys use Bank of America, good for you. I've had nothing but terrible experiences with them, but that's neither here nor there. I currently have them. It's not great experiences, but you know what? After being with them since I was born, 
Mm. I'm just too lazy to change. I should really get a credit union. <laughs> credit unions are amazing. But um, anyways, so his most recent endeavor is telecommunications, and he established the Reliance Communications Limited Network, which is one of the largest and most complex information and communications technology initiatives in the world, which is cool. I mean, good for him. I mean, he's again, lots of fingers and super a lot diversified. Of pies. Absolutely. <laughs> super diversified. Absolutely. Um, I mean, he's <laughs> he's definitely quite the baker, <laughs> you know, because he's got a lot of pie. So uh, dare you. Um, Mukesh um, is by far one of the richest. Yeah, he's one of the richest men. He's listed on the Forbes list. Forbes list as one of the, uh, the top. I think he's, he's definitely within the top 50 richest billionaires. Um, in the world currently, but that where where I'm taking this is this endeavor, not the not the building of his company, not the extreme and amazing diversification of his company. No, I'm talking about the place where you rest your head at night, the place of comfort, the place of warmth and shelter against winds, fire, and other like. Dangerous. against earth wind and fire yes. suddenly on I, the 21st night of september they just yeah oh, <laughs> you look go at to you. your special place <laughs> look at you i'm so proud that was really good and i love thank you i love that song by the way so, do you remember the, the 21st night, night of september, september. love was changing my mind no okay so Haley, i Whenever you think of like your your home that you're in now, because I, I know you guys recently moved, um, and whenever you think of your home, like just what about it speaks home to you? I mean, all my stuff is here, but mm-hmm. it's it's the place that you can go poop without being afraid. <laughs> I love that that was one of the first things that you conjured because no, no, you're absolutely right. Like literally. Okay, so so my office is about half an hour from my house, which is it sounds a lot, but it's really not that bad. <coughs> I yeah, mine is about twenty minutes. I get it. I will literally drive home just to poop because <laughs> I do not want to go in the office, and then I will drive back to the office. Now I can do that. The I worst can... is when the worst is when you <sighs> go on vacation. Oh my! And gosh. it's like, hey, buddy. We're not going to be home for a while, so you got to get with the program. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Come on. The hotel room is nice. It's not The butter's not going to come up and bite you in the butt. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> so, so obviously, so, yeah, whenever we think of home, we think of comfort. We think of, um, you know, a place to kick back, and it's intimate. You know, it's like I wouldn't say that we have, a, like, a relationship with our house by any stretch of the imagination. That would be that would be weird. Um, I mean, do you mean a relationship isn't, like, sexual? Or do you just mean, like, a relationship isn't just, like, you have, like... Because I would say I have a relationship with my house. Like, I know what makes it tick. And I know, like, like one side of the house tends to get hotter than the other. So you got to, like, work your, work your magic on, like, taking care of things. Like, you get into a rhythm and a relationship with your house. But not yeah, a sexual yeah. one. You can't go no, fucking fence. No, no, no. <laughs> no, that'd be weird. Absolutely. Um, but Mukesh, um, he has a relationship. Does he fuck fence? No, he doesn't. No, and, and honestly, that, that took a turn that I didn't expect. So I, I got to bring us back on track here. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but for him, comfort is one thing. But this man went even farther to construct his own mansion, 
and he even named his mansion. Mukesh Ambani's $2 billion mansion named Antelia. Would you like it? Yes. Yes. Okay. I guess my first question is that like some places are named like little chateaus on the on the beach or whatever or Mm -hmm. like the palace of versailles whatever uh or even like thinking about um frank lloyd wright's like falling water or Mm -hmm. taliesin Mm -hmm. those have names did the name that he just came up with is that a person name it is not a person name um but it's a name that all I could find was that it means something personal to him. So we're going to leave it at that. He totally fucking vents. So there are luxury homes and then there's Antilia, the Mumbai home of business magnate Mukesh Ambani, chairman of Reliance Industries. Located in South Mumbai's Altamont Road, is estimated to be the world's second most expensive property, second only to the Buckingham Palace. Wowza. All this, right. That's, this, that's, that's a, someone to be second to. That's a phrase. Um, the high-end mansion reportedly cost an estimated $1 to $2 billion. But don't take our word for it. Here's a few reasons why Mukesh Ambani's home, Antilia, has reached iconic status not only in India, but also the world. Shall we begin? God, please. This 400,000 square foot building is situated in one of the world's most expensive addresses, Altamont Road in South Mumbai. According to recent property trends, per square foot of any real estate on Altamont Road ranges between a massive 80,000 to 85,000 rupees or 1,000 to 1,500 US dollars per square foot which is bonkers. My face is just like a mask of confusion right now, trying to put that together. Mm-hmm. I know, but it gets, it gets better. Mukesh Ambani's Antilia was designed by a Chicago-based architectural firm, Perkins and Will, with the Australian-based construction company, Leighton Holdings, taking charge of its construction. The building... That's co- a lot of complicated, like, licensing. Yes, and before we continue, I'm going to send you a photo of the outside. And now don't worry, I have photos of the inside, but I want to give you a scope. Oh, what the fuck? Yes! What the fuck? Okay, this is nowhere near what I was expecting. Most of the time, okay. When you think of a mansion, you think of a mansion. But this is a skyscraper mansion. This is a skyscraper. And... At that, it is not a skyscraper that makes any sense because it's absolutely like a modernist box, like that that brutalism sort of like box situation, but it's on stilts and it's like you took Jenga yes. and you just started pulling out random pieces. That's exactly what I was thinking too, yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's a Jenga tower, and you can see the other skyscrapers that it's next to, and it is towering over them. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so this building is 27 floors, and it is replete with extra high ceilings. 
Every okay. every floor is the same height of an average two-story building. So one cool. two-story building can fit in a single floor. So that's like that's 20, 20 foot, 25 foot ceilings? So no, so yes, roughly. So if it's 27 floors and there's two stories, so essentially multiply that by 10. That's it's it's around 60 floor, 64 to 65 normal stories tall. That, well, that's stupid. Oh, but I do love me a high ceiling. Okay, continue. Uh, Antila can survive an earthquake of eight on the Richter scale. I don't know. I don't know what the actual scale is for the Richter scale. Is an eight high? Yes. So the Richter scale goes to ten. Ten being the most severe. Got so- it. That's pretty darn good. So we can survive an eight. Um, but let's get into the architectural design of Antilia. Would you like to? Yes. So Antilia has been fashioned along the lines of the lotus flower and the sun. Those are good inspirations. The top six floors of the building have been set aside as the private full floor residential area. The Ambani home um, also comes with a mega temple. A temple. That was like a, for worship. That was a, a Hindu temple. Temple, yes, for worship. Uh, uh, oh, okay. Uh, is the public allowed in this temple, or is this like a private chapel sort of situation? This is a private mega temple. Got it. Uh, there is a host of guest suites. Doesn't say how many, but there is a full size salon, a full size ice cream parlor, and a private movie theater accommodating up to fifty people. Just at a grocery store, and you never have to leave this place again. You're so right. Um, but Mukesh also has a huge need for speed. So they all do. It's they no, always do. I know. So it's no wonder that Antilia has six dedicated floors just for cars. That whoa! That's too many. The space accommodates 168 cars. That's, That's too 160 many. ocho cars. Wait, I'm sorry. Is 168 cars total or is that per floor? Uh, that is total. Okay. So the the building actually, um, it also has a dedicated car service station on the seventh floor. So it's a full service gas, pe- so he's got his petrol. Me- he's got a live-in mechanic. Yes. Yes. Um, also. does his, Is there a live-in racetrack? Uh, there is not a racetrack, unfortunately. Damn it. That would have been amazingly extra, but no. Um, but also for his need for speed, Antilia also has nine high-speed elevators, each assigned to different floors. I want it. If it's high-speed, does that mean that you, like, it's like on a roller coaster when you kind of lift out of your seat a little? Like, do your feet just come off the floor and your head maybe perhaps hits the ceiling uh, probably. a little bit? I would imagine. <laughs> I'd imagine so. Oh, man. Talk about a need for speed. So, whenever it gets hot, it gets hot here in the summertime, obviously. You know, we like to step inside, you know, for that refreshing thing we like to call AC. But how about something a little extra? (laughs) The entire floor is just icebergs. You're close. What? The Mumbai summer takes some getting used to. But for the Mukesh Ambani and his family, 
there is a snow room to help them beat the heat. The oh my god, I wasn't expecting my snide remark to be real. The walls of this dedicated room spew out man-made snowflakes. What the fuck? So they've got like... They've got, they've got Jack Frost in the walls. They've got the ghost of Paul Walker in one house and one floor. They've got everything. It's, am- <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. They just harnessed the spirit of whatever's going to help them out for what <laughs> everything is themed. Yes. So I want it like, can you go make like snowmen? In this room, I desperately would like there to be enough snow that you got to put on a fucking parka to go in there and you can make a snowman. Tell me it's true. Let me, let me see. Let me find. Are you finding photos? Are there actual photos of this? Or is it like, is it like misters just like on crack cocaine? Hang on one second. Let me find it. Let me find it. I believe in you. You can do it. I just really like the fact that my, so, my thing was correct. So, yeah. yeah, so the images are super, super tiny, so it's, it'd be hard to tell anything. But um, that is the summary of Mukesh Ambani's home in Tilia. Would you like to see some interior photos? Please and thank you. Oh, uh, just a reminder to everybody, go check out these photos on our Instagram and Twitter. So Instagram is at Outrageously Unnecessary and Twitter at oh Unnecessary Pod. Uh, I might be changing that to just at Unnecessary Pod. I don't know. But in any case, um, yeah, if you want to see what we're referencing, those will be on there. Okay, let's take a look. Is that a sunken pool? It is, but scroll up. Go to the go. To, start at the top and work your oh, way start, down. Oh, start at the top. We're going in order. Okay. Okay, this is like, this is a genuinely like fancy restaurant that you would be at, like in a skyscraper. That probably it would happen in a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. It's got that nice like velvet orange chairs. It's very large coffee table situations that you would eat at. Um. Yeah, that just feels like a James Bond sort of situation. So that was mostly like orange and dark woods themed. Mm-hmm. Oh, next picture. Everything is very white and gold. Yep. God, rich people love white and gold. Nice spiral staircase, though. That is delightful. Right? It's gorgeous. I just want, I just want to... I'm s- going to say this is not nearly as tacky as I was expecting. No. Oh, no, 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 no. He had like a full interior designer. Like, he he made sure he got it. Yeah. Buddy, money don't mean nothing in terms of taste. Oh, that's true. But I really just want to slide down that banister. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's very swirly and it's like nice and clear. And it's just kind of... It's ripe for... Like, if you could just turn that into a slide... Instead of it being stairs, Ooh. I would enjoy that very much. Ooh, same. Okay, Ooh, next, next picture. Next we got like glass panels, a view of the ocean. That's just nice. That's just nice. And how about that statue? She's like ready. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, Stephen is referencing <laughs> the fact that there is definitely uh, a woman like, I don't know. She is on her knees and yeah she he's right she looks ready good for her (laughs) no 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 describe it describe it Haley. 
I don't know. She looks like she's about to take it in the ass. <laughs> thank you. Oh, thank you. Just you just needed that phrase out there? I did. I did. I did. Uh, How dare ta- you make me say these things? Uh, take it in the ass. Uh, title for t- title of our episode. Oh, <laughs> why do you do this to me? <laughs> uh, Last photo. I'm moving on. <laughs> it's a sunken pool. In the floor of, I really hope that this is just like on some top floor. So like there's a distinct chance that it, like at any moment it could fall through and just wreck the rest of the house. Oh, I really want right. to go in that pool though. Right. Just. Is it a bath or a pool? Oh. It looks large enough to be like a small jacuzzi. Uh, it is. It's, or a large jacuzzi. Yep. Yeah, it is. It's a large jacuzzi slash whirlpool. I want that. Mm-hmm. I know. How nice would that be? I mean, for the amount of baths that I take, so, that would be delightful. So, so is there more? Nope. That's uh, that. Well, I mean, there could be more if you want more. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> after you force me to say, take it in the ass. Uh, I'm done with you, mister. Oh, man. Uh, let's see. No, actually, I, was, I think there was one other good one. Um, There's one other good one. Let me find it. Uh, let me find it. I mean, you're absolutely right. This man is pretty much Scrooge McDuck in it. He's, I'm, again, I'm super shocked that it's not tacky, especially considering that this skyscraper, again, looks like a Jenga building. So I was expecting it to just be absolutely hideous on the inside. Where is it? I saw one. Give me a second. I meant to download it and I didn't, but it was like too perfect. Let me find it. Um, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Oh. Where is it? Doing okay there, bud? Mm-hmm. It was this obscenely large elephant that was in what, like, like I get, they also have, like, a small little, like, attached garden to it as well. And there was, like, this insanely large, it was cute, but it was large elephant. Like a real people elephant or, like, a statue of an elephant? It was a statue of an elephant. Um, gotcha. But uh, anyways, I'll find it later and I'll, and I'll tag it on. Um, but, however... Thank you for this deep dive journey into Mukesh Ambani's iconic home, Antilia, and Mr. Mukesh Ambani himself. Haley, the floor is yours. Or actually. Thank you. Actually. Actually. Chump change. Chump change. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Okay, do you have a do you have one that you would like to share or would you here I'll go first. Okay, sure. I'll, I got a small one. Yeah. I'll t- I'll take the floor. Okay, this one I've considered doing a whole story on this, but there's just not quite enough to to get there. Um cuz it's less about extremely lavish things more as like this is the epitome of Silicon Valley stupidity. Mm, so, okay. um Basically, have you ever heard of uh, the company Juicero? Ooh, uh, I have not. Okay, Juicero has been closed for a while now. Uh, It pretty much shut its offices roughly 16 months into opening. And this, uh, I believe, the article that came out saying that they were closing was um, from The Guardian was back in 2017. Uh, but in any case, basically, 
Juicero happened to be a company that was, uh, it was a startup that did a lot of fundraising from investors. Uh, I can't remember the name of the man who started it, but he basically decided that all food was better as juice, that he just felt so much better when everything was juice. He was like, it's such a healthy lifestyle, and I get, like, my favorite juice bar ended up closing. It was terrible. Ugh. (laughs) And uh, basically, uh, I don't know if it's juice as in, like, a smoothie or juice as in, like, you put a carrot into a thing and it's it's watery liquid comes out. Not Mm -hmm. entirely certain what. But in any case, um, this man raised $120 million from investors uh to to start this and then proceeded to create a juicing machine that would cost mm-hmm. its its clients $400 for the machine and then they had to p- <laughs> then they had to pay money for the special packets that would go into the juicing machine that would then bring out the juice so you couldn't it wasn't something that you could put a whole like vegetable or fruit into and it would juice for you you had to buy the pre-made juice and then the machine okay. as as this article okay. explains <laughs> the 400 dollars machines were revealed to be the equivalent of two hands squeezing a juice box <laughs> so basically juicero uh the man who started it, again, don't know what his name is. He specifically, um, he decided that all of the, the vegetables and everything like that had to be cut into specific shapes because those shapes were inherently better for your body and got, like, all the goodness out of them. Mm-hmm. And then those shapes were then uh, put into packets and then the packets were turned into you know those like things that toddlers like drinking those little those little juiceable pouches yeah yeah it's basically that so they got squished into that and then he sold those things to the clients and then the clients were supposed to put those those into the machine which the machine would then go and then it would squish out into your cup and that Wow. He raised $21 million or $120 million for this. And then they immediately shut down because they're stupid. Because they're stupid. Ugh. Ugh. I do love a good juice box, though. I do. A juice box is great. From this dude, not so much. Yeah. Say no to the juicy juice. Say no to the juicy juice. All right. Do you have a jump change, my dear? I do. So, um... I have never had a fish tank. Um, even as a kid growing up, never had a fish tank. I've always been like fascinated with them. Like I think fish tanks are amazing. Like probably one day, like when I'm rich and famous, I'll have a fish tank. Because um, hmm. I don't know. I, I just think there's something like calming about them. You didn't even have like a betta fish or anything growing up. I had. No, I never we did. had one fish tank growing up, uh, and I remember uh, I got an angelfish. My brother got an angelfish, and my dad got an angelfish. And my angelfish was the only one who survived, and his name was Rainbow, and Rainbow ate all the other fish in the tank. Attaboy, Rainbow. That's right. Show- Attaboy, Rainbow. Rainbow destroyed Buford. Ah, uh, Rainbow proving Darwin's theory. That's amazing. Love- and then I had some very angry beta fish. Mm, well, but no, I, I did not have um, 
any fish growing up. Um, but again, like I always find myself, you know, very calm, very relaxed. Well, this particular um, fish tank is not something that I would feel calm or relaxed around, but someone bought it nonetheless. So let's talk about Mr. Steve Cohen, uh, a billionaire hedge fund manager, who he is, what he does, not important, but he owns what probably is the most uniquest piece of contemporary art. This particular piece of art was purchased, um, well, it was originally purchased by an art mogul in 1992 for $93,000. Pretty good chunk of change, absolutely. Um, and the piece is, and I want you to guess what this piece might be, okay? Because th that's going to be the Something fun of it. that showed up on like that uh, Animal Planet show where they designed insane fish tanks and one of them was like a skateboard ramp. Uh, kinda, kinda. Um, but this piece is officially called The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. What? That is an existential crisis in one name. Okay. I know. So, again, The Physical Impossibility of Death in the Mind of Someone Living. Do you have a photo? I do, but I want you to guess what it, you think it might be. I mean, my brain's telling me perhaps a Mobius strip, because that'd be really hard to make. But maybe it's just an explosion. Yeah. And the fish are all just really sad. Yeah, yeah. That's that's a good guess. Um, this particular piece of art is actually a 14-foot tiger shark preserved with a combination of alcohol and formaldehyde. What the... Oh, okay. So this isn't like a fish tank. This is a dead boy. And this dead boy is suspended in some cubes. And he's definitely in an art museum. He looks very cool, though. He's going... Rawr. Rawr. Yep. Um, so Mr. Steve Cohen bought this piece for a undisclosed range of between $8 million and $12 million. That's too much money for a shark. But it's a sharky shark. Look at the good boy. I know. It's he's like, he's like, Rawr. but yes. Where'd you put that? Um, in a room? I don't know. It's, uh, maybe it's just going to go into the Jenga skyscraper and uh, take a room on one of the 27 floors. I would actually. Maybe you can go in the hair salon. Maybe. I would actually build that into a wall. So like so it's not yeah. so, so it's not just standalone, but it's like flush with the wall, like the outside of the glass. That is, would be cool. Flush That'd with be the wall. very cool. Those are thick walls. Yeah, so thick. So that's all for my chump change. That's a good chump change. Yeah. Yeah. Now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. <laughs> my turn, my turn. Okay. So what I have for you today is um, more of a fun scheme and scandal sort of situation that's involving a really expensive object Ooh. rather than um, the story of somebody who's rich. Ooh. But in any case, welcome to the story Ooh. of the affair of the diamond necklace. <gasps> that sounds like a, that sounds like either like a Hardy Boys novel or yes. an Agatha Christie novel. 
It for sure sounds a bit like an Agatha Christie or maybe even a Sherlock Holmes. Yes, Sherlock, <laughs> yes, that's what I was trying to think of. Yeah, either Agatha Christie or Sherlock Holmes, not Hardy Boys, but yes. No, nah, I feel like Hardy Boys would get in there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take it in the ass. Uh, anyways, so. No. <laughs> Stop it. All right, so okay. the affair of the diamond necklace. Yes. So. Uh, almost all of my information is from alphahistory.com because for me, they laid it out in a fashion that I understood it really easily, but there's, like, you can get it on Wikipedia or Britannica or even the Palace of Versailles. They've all got articles. Uh, but I personally, alphahistory.com. Um, so, quote, the diamond necklace at the center of the furor was made by Parisian jewelers Bomer and Bassenge. It contained 647 flawless diamonds, some several carats in size. The necklace was the most expensive piece of jewelry in France, possibly the world. Conservative estimates valued it at 1.5 million livres, which is, at the time, the French pound, which was their money. I don't know how much that is worth today. Hmm. Uh, But it's probably true that the value was higher. So, essentially, this necklace was so expensive that basically it bankrupted the jewelers who made it. Uh, originally, it was commissioned by King Louis XV for his mistress, but King Louis died before the necklace was finished. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> he couldn't buy it from them. The jewelers are stuck between a rock and a hard place because they finished out this commission, but now it's bankrupted them because who the fuck is going to buy this necklace? Uh, so, what are these poor jewelers to do? They have something that literally only the royal family can afford to purchase. Uh, so, in 1778, they mm. approached the new King Louis, who was number 16. Mm-hmm. There's so many Louis. Uh, by the way, Louis the Fifteenth, not the Sun King. The Sun King was uh, 14. So, 15 was one that we don't particularly care about, I guess. Mm. Um, so, they approach King Louis the Sixteenth and say, Let's, maybe... Maybe this could be a present for Marie Antoinette. Hmm. Uh, Marie Antoinette herself ends up vetoing the purchase of the necklace. Oh, no. Uh, she knows it's it's way too expensive. The money could definitely be used elsewhere. Uh, and it should be noted, that's actually a legend. We don't know why it wasn't purchased, but the rumor is that she was the one who was like, mm, I don't need something that expensive. I've already got Le Petit Trianon. I'm out here doing my own thing. You can spend that on warships. Um, so that's the guess. Okay. Yeah. So uh, jewelers, again, stuck between a rock and a hard place because only the royals can buy it. The royals said no. Uh, so... That was in 1778. Let's jump forward six years to 1784. Enter a woman named Jeanne de la Motte. Uh, Jeanne is married to a con man and is something of a con artist herself. She somehow ends up in Versailles, which wasn't super hard to do, I guess, as there are thousands of people who were there at any given moment. But in any case, she sa- she ends up on the grounds. She starts integrating herself with a Catholic cardinal. The cardinal is Cardinal de Rohan, who incidentally was 
wildly unpopular with Marie Antoinette and therefore was kind of stuck politically with no way to like move up in the world. So his whole goal was to get on the good side of the queen so he can start accumulating more power. So con artist Jean starts cozying up to him. Mm. Okay. Yes. So Jean convinces the cardinal that she is actually Marie Antoinette's best friend. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> yeah. She goes, hey, I'm Marie Antoinette's best friend and ally. And if you want to talk to the queen, you can start sending her letters and I will be your middleman. And he just needs to give like monetary gifts and jewelry that he's going to give to the queen. Give that to Jean. Jean will take care of it. She's got your back. She knows what's up. She believes in you. It's all everything's going to be good, yeah. Mr. Cardinal. Yeah. So he, I guess, being ungodly stupid goes who nobody's ever heard of this woman before and they're like ah you must be the best friend of our queen what um <laughs> wow. the cardinal jumps at the opportunity and begins writing love letters to marie antoinette of course he does and he gets love letters in return but not Basically, from marie antoinette but not from Marie Antoinette, <laughs> who replies were obviously forgeries from Jean and her con artist husband. They would take turns writing them. Oh, so they totally Cyrano de Bergerac this, but not they in a good absolutely way. Absolutely, yes. <laughs> they 100% did. Oh, and are you so proud of that stupid... reference? Yes, I actually am. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe they have big noses. You don't maybe, know. Maybe, you never know. But in any case, it eventually gets to the point that Jean is asked to organize a rendezvous between Marie Antoinette and uh, the Cardinal. So she has to hire a whore who is a... <laughs> she hires a prostitute who looks enough like Marie Antoinette and gets them into a dark room together. They do the deed and the Cardinal is like, oh my God, the Queen is in love with me. I got to fuck the Queen. This is amazing. I'm moving up in the world. Oh, little does he know. He's a moron. So, eventually it gets around pretty much all of court. Yeah, I think this is over the course of maybe a couple of years or maybe a couple of months. But in any case, uh, people start believing that Jean is actually best friends with Marie Antoinette. <gasps> she, Ooh, what a good contest. It has gotten to the point that she has convinced multiple people. And it's just kind of common knowledge that if you want to talk to Marie Antoinette, you go talk to Jean. And the Academy Award goes to? And the Academy Award goes to this fucking amazing bitch. Um, <laughs> I love her. Uh, bitch got tricks. Basically, pretty much all of, all of Versailles and Paris believe this to be a fact that she is best friends with Marie Antoinette. This includes the original jewelers of the diamond necklace. Mm-hmm. So uh, the jewelers, who remember are called Bomer and Bassange, uh, they approach Jean like, hey girl, we were bankrupted because of this necklace. Do you think you could convince your best friend, the queen, to buy it? I know she said no once before, but maybe you can just give it a, please, please, give it a shot for us. Please, please, please. Jean says, oh, oh, fuck yeah. And then... Uh, using some forged papers. 
proceeds to convince the Cardinal de Rohan to buy the necklace for her for 1.6 million euros. <gasps> oh, so he spends, this is amazing. Oh. He spends all of his money and buys this necklace from the jewelers. And then he says, I will give it to you, Jean. Jean, please give it to me, my beloved Marie Antoinette. Um, and like, I'm sure he's blowing a kiss as he walks away. Just like, thank you. Thank you. I spent all my money on my love. Um, Jean and her husband then took the necklace and had it dismantled into all of like individual parts. Uh, so the diamonds and the gold, and then they sold those pieces across France and England and they made a killing. (laughs) I don't know how much money they made, but it's a lot considering they haven't spent anything. (sighs) I love it so much. I love this story. I want it to be a movie I, so much. Or a movie. It might actually be a movie, but I'm not sure. Also, I'm going to go ahead and send you a photo of, uh, of the necklace, <gasps> which is... Oh, my gosh. It's pretty obnoxious. Wait, did, this looks like a recent photo. Like, Did it get reassembled? I think it's... A, I, I don't think that's actually like, like the... it, but that is that's a reconstruction of it. Because, again, it got dismantled. But I think that there were enough drawings of it that somebody was like, I'm going to try making it. Oh, that is amazing. Look at the detail. I know. So, I mean, it looks like like red ribbon is held, like, is what's used to, like, hold it up around your neck. Yep. But it's very drippy and, uh, yeah. like, uh, tassels made of diamonds sort of situation. Yes. Yes. So, if you... <laughs> if you uh, I was going to make a joke, then, but I won't. No, go go for no, it. Go for it. Was, Is it about taking it in the ass? No, no, it's not. I was just going to say that's uh, that's one graduating class that I wouldn't want to be a part of. Or maybe I would. I don't know. Because the ta- no, I think that you would. <laughs> <laughs> you just wouldn't throw your hat up in the air afterwards. You hold on to that like <laughs> like nobody's business. Anyways, uh, so I just sent you another photo. It is of uh, Jean de, Mo- uh, de la Motte. Ah, okay. And to me, I don't know. She just uh, tits out. She's out there. She's... I know. Like, I, I was like, bosom. <laughs> I mean, her boobs She her boobs are out there on display. She's just like, hey, what's up? It's okay. Um, Yeah, and then let's go ahead and do one last image of uh, of the cardinal. The cardinal just looks like somebody who's never been loved in his life. I know. He looks so <laughs> He looks like lonely. an old white fuck. Yep. And he probably saw dem titties and was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> the let's, story. Let's get into. Uh, it's not over. Would you like to hear oh, how this what? ends? Yes, of course. Tell me. I was. Oh, I was wondering if there was more. Yes. There is. There is indeed more. Um. Okay, I am going to quote this directly from the website because I straight up just got too lazy to write it all out myself, and they said it quite succinctly. So, from alphahistory.com. Fair. Quote, The scam was uncovered weeks later when one of the jewelers asked a royal chambermaid if Antoinette was yet to wear the necklace in public. So, he was basically like, Hey, how come she hasn't shown off my work to the mouses yet that would get me so much business and the chambermaid was like what fucking necklace and so 
An investigate quote, so continuing the quote, an investigation soon uncovered the involvement of Jean de Lamotte and Cardinal de Rohan. Both were arrested August of 1785. Oh, so this took place in like less than a year because she 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 got and started cozying up to him in 1784. So oh, dang, both both were arrested in August of 1785. <laughs> Rohan was arrested right as he was about to conduct mass. Oh, perfect. So I just imagine him like walking up to the pulpit and then like secret agents come up with the sir, sir, you're going to have to come with us. And everyone's just like, but what about God? (laughs) So, uh, Jean de Lamotte. Oh, wait, no. Sorry, missed a paragraph. The pair were tried before Paris Parliament the following spring. Wow, that's a that's a long waiting period. Uh, with its chain of lies, forgeries, secret letters, prostitutes, nighttime meetings, and Rohan's deluded love for the queen, not to mention the missing 1.6 million livre necklace, the trial caused a sensation in Paris, and I don't blame him. Ugh. So, Jean de Lamotte was ultimately found guilty, sentenced to a life imprisonment, uh, accompanied by flogging and branding. Mm, oh, jeez. Uh, Cardinal de Rohan was acquitted. That's bullshit. Oh my gosh! Really? What? Oh. oh. That's some garbage. I mean, I guess he was. He was tricked. I get that he was tricked. But also. But still. But still. Anyways, he was acquitted despite the weight of the evidence against him and despite his sizable role in the whole affair. So, wow, that, ugh. See where power gets in the Catholic Church in the 1700s. That's boo. Okay. Most historians concur that Marie Antoinette played little to no part in the diamond necklace affair. There was no evidence that she had ever communicated with or indeed heard of Jean de Lamotte. That's amazing. <laughs> she had no idea. She had no clue. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, and that is the affair of the diamond necklace. <laughs> brav, brava, Haley. Bra, freaking, va. To uh, you. Amazing. Thank you. I think. Uh, so funny. Oh, here's another thing from Alpha History. It says a historian's view. Quote. Once Marie Antoinette became a mother, she focused most of her energy on her children. This resulted in a noticeable decline of the lavishness that had characterized her youth. She no longer bought jewelry or wore elaborate wigs. Nevertheless, her household consisted of 500 people who jealously guarded their little empress or their little empires. Uh, Despite the marked decrease in her social activity, she was still known as the Austrian she-wolf. So there was still a lot of slander and scandalous stories that were freely invented. So many of them were believed. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her reputation was already at a low point when she was unjustly implicated in the diamond necklace affair. Oh, (laughs) ooh. She had no idea what was happening. And people were still just like, fuck Marie Antoinette. <laughs> oh. oh How dare goodness. she break Cardinal How de Rohan's heart? <laughs> How dare she? What a terrible woman. What a terrible person. What a, what a, what a nasty woman. <laughs> so nasty. Uh, take it in the ass. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's it. That's our show. Go follow us on social media. 
Go give us a rate on Apple Podcasts and go take it in the ass, I guess. (laughs) 